Welcome, rugby lovers, to another edition of Rugby Deconstructed with myself, Andre, and Richard. How's it? And joining us for Down from the Cape this week is Angie Boy J on Twitter and with his own YouTube channel, Rag, uh, Rugby Chats with Angus. Angus, how are you doing there? Hey, Andre. Well, thanks, man. Yourself? Good. Thanks that you can join us. The, 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 I see the dentist did some work there on, your, on the face there for you. Feeling good? A little bit. Uh, also, I had another one extracted at the bottom, so I'm in a bit of pain, but I'll survive. <laughs> That's good. Just don't let the fantasy boys know you lost some teeth there, eh? Oh, fuck it, eh? <laughs> Richard, how's the car going? The, the double like cab? Oh, it's like, a, it's like a nice addition to the family. Yeah, and the missus learned to drive it yet? Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, you can see she's going to hog it most of the time now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. This week, um, I'm, uh, I've been very excited. I've also been very vocal about it. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for Saturday's match, uh, the North-South derby. You know, when, uh, when the rugby calendar gets released every year, I think the number one game that gets circled uh, on the calendar and that Saturday gets booked is when the Bulls are playing the Stormers or the pro uh, or province. Um, and you know that's it's the one weekend in the rugby in the domestic rugby calendar that I think a lot of people look out to uh, look forward to. Um, I want to just uh, give a quick uh, interesting fact. You know, uh, yeah, between the between the Western uh, Western Province and the Bulls, they've won they've won the Curry Cup fifty seven times. Um, Western Province currently have an eleven game lead, and it's yeah eleven eleven Curry Cup uh, point lead versus the Bulls and the next closest team that comes anywhere close to the amount of wins that the Bulls and Western Province have is the Lions with 11 wins. The The reason I bring this up is the, the big thing that when you see people talking talking about the a lot of the time they debate what is a derby. So you, I went and looked up and Came up with my own little definition for derby, and, and this is what I this is the, uh, an Andre Hill definition. A derby is the most competitive match, often a match between local rivals. In other words, teams that are from the same city or the same part of the country. However, in the South African context, we have the coastal derby, the Trans Yuxka derby, but the one that holds a special place in everybody's hearts and the fans' hearts is the North South derby. And if you're not excited, then do you even know rugby? Yeah, um, yeah. I think maybe to elaborate on the derby sense as well, and also did some research on that. And as you say, um, the term derby originated from, as you say, local competitions. But in the past uh, couple of years, it's, it's branched out to um, include teams that might not be, as you say, geographically close to each other but has built up a, a rivalry over a, a period of time. A good example um, is actually Australia in the, the Australian uh, soccer leagues where they work on a one-team, one-city model. So in that sense, their derbies tended to be Sydney-Melbourne where they, they had the most success between the two of them. Same as with the Stormers and the Bulls where teams that's got the most success. Like Same with Man U-Liverpool, most success in, 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 in English football. They've got more of a derby going on. Um, past few years, especially in, in England, um, Exeter and Saracens, due to their log positions, that's built up, uh, that, that's being seen as more of a derby game, even though 
they about seven hours apart. You've got Exeter in the southwest and, and Saracens based in London. So I think in, in the case of this, it, um, in terms of success uh, between the two combined, that's, a, that's exactly where this is coming in as a real, as, as, a, as a true derby in the sense of not geographically where we can say that's our trans Yuxke, but more in a sense of traditional success where we can d- define that as a derby as well. Yeah. Yourself, Angus? Yeah, I think on a traditional front, if you go into the meaning of it, um, just even locally on my side, the Paul Derby, as we all know it, you know, um, him and um, what's the name again? Oh, boys. Going to get Paul's Paul boys, yes. um, yeah. it's, it's always a big, big thing. Whenever you go to Paul for that week, you see the banners up and families and households are divided because this brother's in him and the other one is at boys. And it's always a massive thing. Um, I think there's normally about 20, 30, 40,000 people. And then at the same time, the Super Rugby match the afternoon at Newlands is about 20,000 people. So they tend to attract more people as well. Um, and it's always exciting, you know, ma- no matter on which front. If you go to a school derby, um, a club derby, for instance, and now in this case, the North-South derby. And like you said, Andre, if you're not excited, well, you don't belong in the sport, to be honest, because <laughs> it's always a big one. Um, I remember talking about the Bulls and the Stormers. We... Yeah, I think we, we lost you guys, I think it was in 2013, um, and you guys were second on the log. And at the point in time, you needed to beat us to be top of the log and have the home semi and the home final as well. And we beat you guys, I think, by, I think, 33 points to something, 33 points to 12, I think, at the point in time. I denied you that. 38, there we go. And um, we denied you that spot in, in one sense, and also... Everyone knew, the Stormers crowd knew, no one's going to pit, no, the Stormers not going to make it into the top eight or into the top six as it was back then. They still third up in 35,000 plus crowds, you know, no one wants yeah. to miss it. There's always a big crowd at a, at a derby and I think it's basically the heart and soul of every single rugby fan that just look forward to it. No matter how the season of their team may go, whether they are top of the lock, bottom of the lock, it's all about pride on the day and um, it's literally something to look out for every single time. Yeah. No, I, li- I like what you touched on there, like the, the Paul Boys, Paul Jim Derby, you know. Uh, I know it's, it's very strong in the traditional schools, but even, even in the smaller schools, uh, there's always that one game that's the, that the, that's the, the big derby game. Up here in Gauteng, you know, you've got uh, Monument versus Office or Waterclaw versus Office as, as big derby games. In, in Joburg, you've got uh, Kays versus JP. Uh, another one in the if you go to the southern suburbs in Cape Town, you got Weinberg versus Sachs. Um, we, uh, if we look at if we come back up to Gauteng, Pretoria, Pretoria Boys versus KS, that's a, that's a big derby game. Then you got uh, in 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 the depending on who if they're playing each other or not or not stealing each other's players, you've got the the Glenwood versus DHS and DHS versus. Marisburg College and Hilton College, and then let's not forget about the Eastern Cape schools. These are all, you know, so derby matches in in South Africa's it's it's kind of inbred, especially in schools where mm-hmm. rugby is a massive a massive role. Um, I don't know, Richard, like for yourself, they do, uh, from the region you came there in Somerset West. You guys had uh, have have any form of derby at schoolboy level that was was big for you? Yeah, um, and sorry, just to touch on another one, also a big one that's, um, and, and because they're not geographically close to each other, is um, Grey College and Paul Ruiz, which was always a big derby as well. I mean, um, also, as you say, coming from the Somerset West Strand area, 
even going to Stellenbosch, they would sell out Donnie Craven for a great college um, Paul Ruiz game. So yeah. even in that sense, that was a big derby game. Um, we our, our big derby game uh, being in Strand, we had we played Hotstots Holland, which was one of the neighbouring schools. Um, in a, again geographically, the, the the two schools were literally a kilometre away from each other. But in terms of results, um, I think the Strand had lost one in. 25 years in this age, if I'm not mistaken. So they won 24, yeah. lost 25. So it, in, a, in terms of results, it was always a, a, almost a given conclusion. You would win that derby. But in terms of geographic, there was always a big game, the two being close to each other, yeah. the inter-schools and the whole town going crazy about that specific game. I know I know another another big schoolboy derby is Gray PE versus uh, Weinberg. Every year they travel to and from uh, to each other. Uh, yeah. Alternating years, and I know all my mates down there have have, have always look out to uh, look forward to that that competition. So you know, in the, in the sense in South Africa, we we born and bred competing against each other as mates at school, and then it it, it obviously just progresses into uh, the teams that we support and the regions we support. Um, but I'm gonna I've got another little fact over here that. Uh, or a few a few facts here that uh, highlight why the Bulls and Western Province Lawn Stormers is such a big derby. So, first of all, the the Curry Cup competition first became an annual competition in 1968, and since 1968, the Bulls have won 21 times, and Western Province have won 13. No other team has won. Uh, none of the other teams have won more in the last 10 years. Uh, Western Province have had the upper hand winning three and the Bulls only having won one and drawn one. Sorry, that's in the last 15 years. And if we look at the, the Super Rugby, okay, the Bulls there have had three and the Stormers have had zero. However, as Angus pointed out, there's always been crucial games where the Stormers might have beaten the Bulls or the Bulls needed to beat the Stormers to... Um, to get through to the the next round or to have a home play the uh, play the game uh, play the home final, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on 2010 because I remember that was the last round game and the, the Stormers needed that last round win to make it into the playoffs and uh, kind of had to show their hand over there. Um, but one thing that has really driven this the the derby status for these two teams, if you start in 1980. These two teams competed in six finals against each other with Western Province winning three, the Bulls winning two, and then one was drawn. And currently the last six matches um, at Super Rugby level, the Stormers are in the lead with four wins to two over the Bulls. With the Bulls last, uh, with the, sorry, the, and with this game being at Loftus this week, the last time the Stormers won at Loftus was in 2017. So there's a just a, a quick rundown of the history between these two sides, and when you just when you go and look through the Curry Cup results in terms of who won finals from 1968 through to now, these uh, these are this this is the predominant derby match that that sticks out um, compared to any other teams that uh, might be dominating since the professional era started. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, as you said, touching on that, I mean, another interesting stat coming back to Curry Cup, where they start, where, where all of it started. So um, the Pretoria clubs broke away from uh, from the Transvaal Rugby Union in 1938 to form Northern Transvaal. Um, and literally in only their second Curry Cup, which was held in 1946 after the Second World War, um, the Northern Transvaal Union actually the big first real game against Western Province was an 11-9 win to win their first Curry Cup at Loftus. So the rivalry started, I mean, it, it goes way back before 1968. I mean, 1946 already has the first real touch bit of, of action between these two. And as you said, it's, it's been built more on success, the rivalry between the two. Um, the flamboyance of Western Province in the 80s, compared with the boot of uh, of Nasporta in the late, seven, late 70s, there's always been this yin-yang comparing the two against each other where the where battles have been won on that front. So I think with the and then touching onto that, I mean two of the greatest draws, you you can't script this. 1979, 1989, both times meeting in a Curry Cup final, nothing separating them. A 14 all draw, followed up 10 years later by a 15 all draw. How do you how do you script that? Yeah, no, you, you can't. And it's uh it, you know it just it, it's and what what was nice is that that's carried through into this into Super Rugby. Angus, yeah. are you still with us there? Sorry, I think we lost Angus there. No, there? no, I just I got the last part. Yeah, I got yeah. Um, can you repeat it, please? No, I was, uh, we were just saying that uh, it's we we looked at a lot of the amateur era stats now, and it's quite it, it's quite pleasing to see that that rivalry carried through into Super Rugby. Yeah, definitely. Um, and before I touch on Super Rugby, actually, also on university level, you know, whenever Tux comes to town to play Marty's UCT, it's always north-south um, and the same, as I said, with Derby's and UCT and Marty's and so forth. But it's actually translated to all levels of rugby, whether it's schools, provincial, varsity, Curry Cup, Super Rugby. Um, but it, it's been great that it translated, and I think it was a natural progression, progression to happen anyway. Um, you know, given the history of these two sides, um, you know, with the sport becoming professional in '96, uh, the first time they actually started playing each other was in '98, I think, the Bulls and the Stormers officially. And um, just a, a little touch on that, uh, I made a couple of notes here. So um, they played each other 33 times up until now, um, and Stormers won the 20, the Bulls won. Super rugby is. So the Stormers yeah, won yeah. 20, Bulls won 12, and there was one draw only between the two sides. Um, but obviously, the three titles make up for all of that. Eh? So uh, yeah. I guess winning percentage doesn't matter that much. Eh? <laughs> no, but it, it's it, it, what's interesting is that that, that, that bull, Bulls period of dominance, when, uh, we, when I went back and checked, when they were making the Super Rugby Finals, during that period, they literally played in every single Curry Cup final as well. That team mm. just knew yeah. how to get to, to finals. So, you know, it, it didn't matter if they lost the domestic game or lost the derby. The, the, from two, I, 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 let me have a quick look over here quickly. I'll tell you now. I think it's from 2002 to 2006, they made consecutive finals and then they made another final in 08 and 09. So I think from, yeah. a period, from a period from 2002 to 09, they only missed out on one final. Yeah. Now, that, yeah, that, that's just insane 
statistics for a t- uh, success for a team. And yeah. uh, you know, if you if you look at other sports, you know they didn't win every final there, but a lot of sports, specifically the NFL, would constitute each one of those as a winning season. Yeah, you know. So I, I know we touched on this and spoke about this in a previous pod. Where and Richard, you and I've discussed it. Like when we looked at the Buffalo Bills making four NFL finals and not not winning one of them, yeah, it, it, it still constituted a very successful era in in Bills um, football. And then well, we you ask that, that? and then we tied that in with the the uh, with the Lions. Yes, the Lions yeah. made three finals, didn't win. But that era of Lions rugby was should be considered as a, as a success for for all teams to have, um, you know, to to respect what what they've achieved. Yeah, well, um, I think if you say compared to where the Lions are at the moment, um, with no disrespect, but you could there, there was there, there's definitely been a slip in that in that that standard of the Lions compared to what yeah. you say the those past three years. I mean, most fans would probably um, they would love to go back to that era of making finals. Yeah. So tell me, um, let's move on to the next section. Um, we're classic matches. Ma- um, one or two matches from you guys that really stood out. Um, yeah, I think for me, a few classic matches that stood out. Uh, firstly, is the 2009 Curry Cup semi-final. Um, that that was uh, lining up with the resurgence in um, in Western Province rugby. I mean, before that, you're speaking about the uh, the Bulls making all those fi- Curry Cup finals between 2002 and 2009. At that same point, Western Province were barely sneaking into semifinals. They, I think they they literally played in three semifinals in that era. The rest of the time, they actually didn't even make it. So getting back into that in 2009, um, I think that, that that was a classic uh, for me first as, as one of the, the few classics um, at that stage. Another classic that I, at my first ever um, Curry Cup game that I attended was actually a the 2000 uh, regular season, um, Western Province winning that one 43-30 on the way to their to their first uh, to their title in 2000. Um, I think from a Super Rugby level, one the the ones that really stood out for me were the 2012 battles. Um, I remember Western Province or Stormers at that stage sending up a kind of a depleted team up to up to Pretoria and uh, Brian Abana with a few minutes left on the clock sneaking the win there for, for the Stormers and um, that was a classic and I think also tying back in uh, one that you would probably touch on is um, from a period of 2000 uh, from 1998 to 2005 the Bulls never had, had never beaten the Stormers in a super at Super Rugby and then a period of dominance which was broken in 2011 by a 23-13 win for the Stormers in at Loftus. Um, I wouldn't count the previous year because we played a, a depleted Bulls team at Newlands to, to, to as, you, as you mentioned earlier, sneak into the semifinals. But for me, a real return of, the, of Western Province and the Stormers was the 23-13 win at Loftus in uh, 2011. Yeah, yeah, that that that. Uh, last round game to get into the semi-finals uh, and even if it, the, the Bulls rested some of their players the Stormers needed to come out with their A game yeah. to to try and win the game they won that game and then they still had to play their A, a game or their A uh, their B game to to win the, the semi-final 
then by the time the final came, they had they'd played both they had exposed themselves exposed all their strengths and weaknesses and the mm -hmm. bulls having that op opportunity just to rest some key players had plenty of time to be fresh for the semi-final for the final and yeah. I, I shared earlier with you guys those statistics i even put it on twitter you know and that that was just one little snippet of uh, of the statistics of how much the bulls kicked the ball that day and how much the stormers ran ran with the ball and how many meters ran and everything but when you look at the rest of the st the statistics that game was actually uh, when we talk about the 2010 final now that game was very very even um i'm going to quickly if i can just share share uh, share some of the statistics there with you guys give me a second match stats and quickly hit the share button there we go i think you, you can you can see there yeah all right so if, if you check there you know, the storm has scored two tries the bulls only scored one but if you look up here if you look at mornay stain with the boot um you know that that's quite punishing all those penalties but if you look if we go here possession 50 percent, 50 percent for the whole game territory 53 47 all pretty equal the the big difference i think is here is on the attack um where the clean breaks four four for the bulls one for the stormers seven uh defenders beaten versus one by the stormers so that was another day where it showed how, how important defense is in winning games and attacking at the right time to to win. But a very this is probably where the Stormers uh, can say they lost the game is if you look at that turnovers conceded eight they lost um, fifteen turnovers to the Bulls eight. That's cool. a now that's a massive a massive difference in a final. Yeah, no, you can see that. I think, as you say, well, the small margins, um, looking at the stats, I mean, we you shared, shared it earlier today with us, Sam. Um, there was actually nothing in it. But even then, you can see, we we all, we're all talking about playing attacking rugby, but on that day, it was actually defences that that, that that made a difference. I mean, if you remember the one, the stalk, the one um, Bulls try was, I think it was a Hochart's try, that was also quite an opportunistic play. Yeah, um a banner's try was an was an intercept so i mean we we all going on about or a lot of people on social media carrying on about um defense defenses being boring but look at just just look at that that it just shows that it was the small uh, minor differences that made it that that or, or minor events that made the difference on the day and it was actually really close for Don. And, and Rolf, uh, roll on to 2019 in the rugby world cup final the two tries mm -hmm. scored by the uh by the springboks were from kicks kicks downfield pressure on the english pressure turnover and then a quick counter attack and that that was 14 yeah. points in the bag for us mm -hmm. angus yourself we've we've left you there on the sidelines let's tag you in there <laughs> memorable matches i uh, actually go back to curry cup first on and one not not too long ago in 2018 um there's actually a funny story so the morning i went down to the sevens academy because they had a little tournament on some of the guys here must come and watch him 
and um, actually a former Bulls, I think it was in the Bulls Academy with Tux, Impy Fisser, one of the Blitzbach players. I'm not sure if you guys know him. Uh, I had a chat with yeah. him after the event and um, I said to him, listen, I'm not too confident about this game. Now, the week before that, at Loftus, there was a Curry Cup match between the, the Eastern Province and yeah, the one-off game, you know, 40 yeah. minutes and they had to call it off. And I said to MP, I'm not, for some reason, I just don't feel confident about this game. I just feel that the Bulls will come out and be fire blazing. And he said to me, listen, Bulls in a knockout game is something else. I went to Newlands, um, went to chill. Um, it was me, my friend, and another friend of mine, Casey, who's a Bulls supporter, by the way, living in the Western Cape. And um, basically, the Bulls were dominant for, I think, about 60 minutes of that game. I think the halftime score was... I'm not even sure what it was, but it was quite a big margin. And then we had to score next. And then Monty Lubbock scored the following try. And we were basically out of it like we were this past weekend with the Pumas. And um, a couple of Bulls mistake. Um, I think a misfiring line-out and um, a few defensive lapses got Western Province back into the game. I think. And then a penalty got them 35-32 ahead. So quite a classic in itself already. Last crumb of the game. Province crumb being super, super dominant. On the own five meter line, siren sounds, everyone thinks it's in, out, and the game is done. And I'm quiet, I'm quiet. My friend asked me, Angus, why aren't you celebrating? You know, people are waving flags and cheering. I said to her, Listen, I won't celebrate with that ball at hit the stand, you know, it's not over yet. My words are barely cogent. And for some reason, the province crown malfunctioned there on their own ball. Ambrose Papir picked it up, almost snapped and went over himself. One pass to Lubbock. Lubbock gives a white pass to Dylan Shade. He scores in the corner. 35 all extra time after Lubbock missed the kick. After yeah. he kicked flawlessly for the whole day, he missed that one important one. And as we know how it went, um, 100 minutes after, um, 10 minutes extra time, one penalty ended by SP Marie, and we took it home to make a final against the Sharks the week after. But it was probably the best and the worst match I've ever watched. You know, because you're, mm-hmm. you're stressing and it's exciting and at that point in time, they still have it though. The Western Province team had this thing called, it's almost like a walk ride, a storm club. And the thunder sounds playing in between. And they played this freaking music throughout the game, as tense as it was already. So that was one mm-hmm. classic for me. And no, so the other one, Richard have, actually... I must admit, sorry? That, sorry to interrupt you there. That game, two things I remember from that game. Yeah. Um, two things I remember from that game. One, Andre Liebenberg was captain of the Bulls, mm. and he didn't know they just needed to draw to make it to the final. Because they scored and, two more tries. And that was yeah. and that was the day I said I'll never get emotional about rugby again. And I'll just sit and enjoy the game. <laughs> I was spent after that after that game. And I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't mind that we had lost. Um, because I, I know what I had witnessed. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that game was flipping one. Uh, that was a proper classic. Yeah, and people said at that point in time, Curry Cup is dead. It just showed it wasn't yeah. dead at all. Eh? Um, and just the other one Richard mentioned was the, the break from Khaleesi after the Quinn Roo trap, which started with a turnover from Dion Furi, by the way. Um, and then Quinn Roo made, made the pass to Khaleesi. He gave it to a banner to win it, so that was pretty special as well. I think, like you guys said earlier, if you talk about successful seasons, they didn't want it. They made top of the lock to Stormers for the first time ever and then crash out to the Sharks. But um, I think they won 14 out of 16, 16 games that season and right, yeah. so they beat the Bulls twice. At um, Newland, 17 points to 20. 
and uh, um, win at Loftus. I think it was 14 points to 20 as well. So in that way, I think of 1914, I know it was in that um, that range more or less. But um, yeah, those are the two classic matches for me. And um, also, I wouldn't say classic, but a, a special one for me is the 2015 one. We also won at Loftus because on that day, no one gave us a chance. The Bulls had 13 Springboks, Thomas had two. And yeah, two we, wingers made their debut. We made the final. We made the, that was to win to make yeah. it to the final against no, the Lions. No, no, no. That was the first match of the season, actually. Oh, season okay, starting okay. Super Rugby. Yeah. So the, the Bulls had 13 Springboks at the point in time. They had Engelbrecht and all those guys still. And we only had two, um, Darren Lays and Johnny Cox, who made their debuts on the wings. And they actually won, I think, 29-17 or something in that range. So it was pretty cool because we were actually the team that everyone wrote off before the season even started. So I think those matches are the ones that stand out for me. No, I know I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back. For me, I think it all started off with the 1989 Curry Cup final, giving my age away. I I remember the, the, the game was... The game was wet. The final score was 16 all. The Bulls players were really upset that they, had, that they hadn't won the game because I think they were tipped to win. But Western Province was as if it won, but the, the cup was actually shared. And I, I think uh, through, I can't remember exactly what the technicality was, but basically the cup got handed to Coral Duplessis and the, and the lads. But uh, effectively, the record book shows that it was a 16 all draw. Yeah. Um, so for me, that uh, that's a that's a game as a, as a youngster, you know, when you think we lost him there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, maybe think yeah. of something. I haven't worked in this myself, but if you think about the nineteen ninety eight season, uh, that that Ford pass, you probably will remember better than I do. Um, that cost province the Curry Cup final that year. Um, do you think Andre Watson was correct or was, was he in, in the right that day? Uh, was he in the wrong that day? That wasn't a forward pass to Brighton. Just joking, guys. Well, Andre, that, that, interesting. That was a, that was a yeah. very good night for me. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, sorry, getting back to the 1989 final. Um, Interesting stats on that is that um, it was played on 7 October 1989, um, 29 days after my birth, and that was apparently the first rugby game I ever watched. Being 29 <laughs> days old was this was the 1989 <laughs> Curry Cup final that was drawn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so before we get to expectations for Saturday's game, uh, what we want to see and what we want to learn from the game and everything. I want to look at key players or vers- or key matchups, and the first one I think we need to touch on is the the front rows, because that's effectively um, going to be a, a Bok front front row versus uh, Trevor Nyakania and um, Van Royen, and I, we need to see who's going to come up as hooker. Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly what the take is on uh, Kutsov and uh, Skara for this week, and I'm not sure if they still. They're going to play. They play. They're going to play. They're going to play. Kutsov is given the captaincy. Okay. Okay. Great. So Kalisi is out there. So that that could actually be an interesting. I think that that's um, probably where Jake and uh, that that's going to be. I think crucial for them in terms of getting an upper hand. 
uh, on the game. I think they, as you say, it's it's a real test for to, for them against um, against, as you say, proper Springbok front row in that sense. So that's a. Uh, but you know what? I, I think just in terms of um, the backlash that the Stormers have been getting the part the last two weeks on on their performances. I think we might just see them, uh, or expectation-wise, there we we might just see them coming out uh, firing, and um, especially after the Bulls' performance last week, they've got something to prove. And um, in terms of that, uh, um, head, uh, heart, definitely hundred percent head, a little bit to say I'm um, I'm going getting them to to win that battle up front. Right, uh, yourself, uh, Angus, uh, your your view on the front row. Yeah, I think on front row, the Stormers will be um, quite confident, you know, with Francie there and Steven and Skara, so all Springbok front row. Um, but in saying that, um, they've been doing well on their own ball, but not on opposition ball as much, you know, even against the Pumas this past weekend. So yeah. it will be interesting to see how they will adapt with um, Trevor being a strong scrummager. Jog isn't that bad as well. Um, and like you said, we're not sure it's going to be the hooker. But I think also the, the most important part this weekend will be the breakdown point. Um, Stormers without Khaleesi and now Makaba, who's an out-and-out fetcher, basically. However, I, I get the feeling, and I think I'm right on this one, that Yaku Kutsia, who's quite promising, will start against at number eight against Dwayne Vermeulen. Now, between Marco oh. Van Staren and Dwayne Vermeulen, that is quite a, a battle you don't want to get into as a loose forward, you know, if you're on the opposition side. So, yeah, you see, I think that, that's where the game might be won or lost. No. Yeah, you see, um, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I've actually I've just taken it on what the the previous selections were, were and mm-hmm. obviously being a loose forward myself, uh, I enjoy watching the the competition. So for me, I've got Dwayne versus Troki, and Kutsia mm-hmm. actually coming in for at Sia six, uh, and and Kutsia up against Van Staden, who's red hot at the moment. So for me, yeah. That the, the the eight battle and the the six battle is going to be a classic uh, in all sense, um, very hot uh, test like competition there between those yeah. four. Players. Yourself, Richard, yeah, and also think. Um, no, I think uh, in terms of that battle, I mean, you guys have got a spot on there in the loose forwards. I mean, they, um, I think especially as you say, somebody like Yaku could see it. It's either gonna it's a it's a it's a make or break uh, match or, or as you say moment for him there. Um, he can either disappear against the likes of as you say Vermeulen and and uh, Marco van Staden, or he can rise to the occasion. Um, interesting battle, as you say, mentioning of battles. I'm not sure if you're going to touch on this one, but I, one that I would like to watch, especially seeing as he stole his um, his spot in the in the box squad is Herschel Yankees versus Ivan van Sale. Yeah, I've got that one on the list. That's definitely yeah. and. And with um, Farida Priya mentoring and coming in as a consultant, working with the, the scrum offs there, we've definitely seen the improvement of Van Sale's kicking and his passing and his decision making. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a massive Papir fan, but I can also appreciate uh, having, having a scrum off that's, a, I want to almost say, a zero error type of scrum off in a, in a game like this. Um, Fonsal might be a little bit slow sometimes, uh, and one or two of his, his kicking's been a lot better. Uh, he doesn't kick it out on, on the full as much, and I've probably jinxed him now. Um, and he's definitely playing far, he's playing rugby now that made uh, when he got given that opportunity to build some depth, depth that Russi gave him to be in the Springbok squad. No, 
Um, and Herschel, I think he, uh, he, I think he's been a little bit all over the place a bit, but he's also just been uh, got back from that injury, so he, um, he had to first. Uh, what was it? His ankle that he hurt, um, Angus. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I, yeah, I think, but I think the problem with Herschel is probably after watching Chasing the Sun, we can all say he's probably just been playing a lot of PlayStation recently. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the. Now, I'd, uh, you've actually made me think of something now. Now, let's look at the axis. At the Bulls, you've got Dwayne, Fonsale, Mornay, Stein. And yeah, now if you um, look at the axis of the, the Stormers, you've got Trocki, Herschel, and now is it Tim Swell or is it Damien Willems? Uh, Damien Willems. Uh, is Damien going to be fly off this weekend? No, yeah, I, I, he's I, play I this weekend, know. as far as I know. Okay. Because you know. Shot. There we go. Angus, hot off the press. Angus, hot off the press there with the, the <laughs> No, I think that's um, going to be needed. I'm not. I'm still not convinced with Tim's wheel returning. I mean, I know. I said I, I've been told I'm giving him a bit of a hard time, but for me, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced on his return. I, I, I still feel he's taking away opportunity from other player from from uh, another young flower that I, that we say should not be named, but I feel he's he's holding other other people back. By, by his presence there. Yeah. Um, if we look at, there's one more forward battle I want to look at. Um, Jason Jenkins has been flipping awesome for the Bulls. And his matchup against Salman Murat is going to be uh, reasonably exciting, I think. Yeah. Uh, two big guys, uh, they both get around the park, they both got good ball skills, could both solid in the lineout. So I think that's also going to be quite mouth-watering. The final, the, the final um, comparison I want to look at is the Bulls have got uh, three X7s or current seven player, sevens players uh, running in the back line with Hendricks, Hans, and Aronsa. Um, and then you, you compare that um, with the Stormers. I can't remember now. I didn't write the names down. I apologize. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, they've got... You think about Zas and Edward van der Merwe. Edward van der Merwe and Lionel Zas. Yeah. Uh, so th that's, those are all speedsters and given space, they will punish you. So just if we just look at the matchups that we've mentioned and we look at the, the speed out wide, this game has really got the makings of... Mm. Um, either a very high-scoring game if uh, defenses fold and they, everybody tries to get the ball moving in in their different ways, or uh, one team's going to fold and another team's going to run away with it, um, or it could be very close. It's just the the matchups are so different, uh, so contrasting and and physical. Yeah. Like you, you can't call you can't call how the game's going to go. That's basically if you sum up all the confusion mm -hmm. that I've just. Just mentioned. Yeah. yeah, I think I think as you mentioned, there one point, especially speaking about um, Zas and Edward van der Merwe on the wings, and uh, this is something we've discussed in uh, in depth already, is um, or in length of time, especially with the wingers, is trying to have at least one sizable winger um, with with a bit of with a with a bit of meat on the bones, and to complement him with the speedster. And I think there at the moment we might be losing it, where we've got two out and out speedsters uh, at the Stormers, and um, I don't know. Maybe 
I, I, I'm not too sure if playing Zas and Van Amerva together is going to be such a good uh, option. I would actually say maybe Van Amerva and Galant on the wings with Damien at fullback um, if, if, as, as an option there, just in terms of balancing it out a bit. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that, but that's just, I, I feel we, yeah. the, the Stormers might just have too, yeah. too, too many lightweights in the back, Dave, to put it uh, bluntly. Yeah, but um, Ed Will is actually a 90 kg winger. He's not that light after all. He's got a bit of meat on him. But, um, and and he's got one really bit of meat. Uh, yeah, he looks small. He's actually quite a big guy. He's got big four uh, arms yeah. as well. But um, yeah, another interesting point is that what if Haaland's first game against the Bulls? Up oh, against yes. the youngsters. <laughs> David Creel, who comes from Western Province early in the season. You know, yes, he's one of the most yes. promising fullbacks in the country. And he's up against um, a Springbok World Cup winner in the 15 jersey. So... It's going to be quite cool to see how Wadi goes against his old team because he knows Loftus quite well. And um, I think also he might have some inside info on other, other players operate as well, you know, to his new coaches. Well, that's good you know, be, as you say. That you, Richard, it's interesting what you said there. I just checked, I just looked up. Um, Travis Ishmael uh, is registered at 100 kilos. So you'll have, no, uh, no matter which wing he's facing, he's got t uh, 10 kilogram weight advantage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I must admit, I on Saturday versus Sharks, I saw a turn of pace from Travis Ishmael that I've never seen before. Because uh, I think it was here towards the end of the, just before the end of the first half where he had a, had a break and he covered that, that first 20 meters. Uh, I think he, he broke yeah. it. He made a break on his 20 meter up to the 10 meter. And that initial break was just so quick. Um, I just don't think he, I think with that, that frame of his, I don't think he's able to maintain that initial burst of acceleration for, for 40 meters. Um, and, you know, like, let's not, let's not uh, skip the, the center combinations, like you, where you've got Hendricks and Hans working very well together yeah, yeah. compared to the, 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 young, the two youngsters, even though Duplessis is uh, 25, him and um, Rickus are, are, yeah. are, they've only played, they've, they've played as many games together as, as the, the entire Bulls team has played together. So that's another point I want to touch on now before we head towards predictions is the Stormers side effectively has been together through the age groups. They've been with uh, John Dobson for at least three years. Um, they know the structure, they know the system, they, they've adopted a playing pattern that, that's been pretty consistent over the last three years. And it's, it's been documented and been spoken about. The Bulls are at the beginning of their, their curve, the, at the beginning of their climb. And, you know, when you, when you bring literally a whole brand new team together and surround them and you surround seniors with new youngsters, it takes time for the players to find each other Yes, we've had two great games against the Sharks, but it's also documented that the Sharks struggle to play rugby at Pretoria, or they forget to play how to play rugby when they hit Pretoria. So you know, I'm really I'm I'm nervous for Saturday because you know we had we had one poor game and then we and we snuck a uh, snuck a win against the Griquas. then we had a very slow start and we let the cheaters get away from us and we still ended up almost coming away with the draw there um and we put the sharks away so i i'm, I'm getting the feeling that jake and Carr is building slowly towards something and what i think the, the one thing if if anybody knows jake white one thing that's very important is winning but 
I, I don't know which is more important, winning at home at all, at, at winning at home all the time, or just winning as a priority. So I, I really I think that this might have been a game that Jake Jake White was targeting when you look at his when you looked at his team selections from from the warm up game into the first game against Griquas into the game against the Cheetahs and then the Sharks. And I think he's settled on his starting 15, on his best 15. I think he's going the route of uh, having a powerful, strong bench. Uh, the teams haven't been announced yet, but uh, I think they're going to have a bench that will complement uh, the, 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 the starting Bulls team. And my prediction, looking at it, I think the Bulls are going to take it by less than six. Um, yeah. If, if we look at uh, look at it and look at everything that we've discussed yourself Angus yeah um I've, I actually looked through the, the stormers team of what they can do um and they haven't been fighting in all cylinders let's be honest you know they're not got a yeah, jail twice against the Lions worries. yeah a big worry for and, the Storm is their fitness yeah and apart from the fitness it's altitude factor as well um I was going to get to that but um in any case Let's talk about it now. You know, they played on the low field against the Pumas. They played the Lions at home, who looked fitter than them at sea level. So um, I'm not I'm not too sure, you know, because we are one game behind, in essence, because everyone else started before us. But mm -hmm. in saying that, you know, we've we've had two rounds of competition now. And I think the fact that they started so slow, they actually want to, not actually, I think they will want to rectify their mistakes and, you know, not start as badly and finish as strongly as they have against um, the Pumas last weekend. They might want to, not might, they definitely will want to actually take that last 15 odd minutes and carry it into a start for this coming weekend. Um, but I also think the Bulls pose a massive threat, you know, especially at Loftus. Um, crowds and no crowds is not an easy place to win, although we have some good scalps there before. But um, I think that, uh, look, like it's just the heart says one thing and the, the head says something else. But um, if I'm going to go with my heart, I'll say Stormers by five. But um, yeah, we won't be surprised if the Bulls sneak it by the same margin as well. Mm. Yeah. Yourself, Richard? Yeah, so I think touching on a few points that you mentioned there, um, in terms of where it's going to go, I've, I've learned from, from experience or just from years of, uh, of following the Stormers. It's, um, it's, when we, it's when they're written off that they surprise everybody, especially at Super Rugby. So that's one thing we've had in mind. But on the other hand, we've, we've been playing crap. Um, let's put it badly. Let's let's call it a, a, a spade a shovel. We we've not been performing, but we still snuck two wins, um, which can either mean which which can either mean that we either we either going to play have a fantastic game on Saturday or we're going to really capitulate and uh, cap and what concede twenty five or lose by twenty twenty five, which can be possible, judging from those type of experiences. Um, I'm trying to be positive and say, as you say, having spent a lot of time together, they'll they, they, they'll gel this weekend. And then looking on the other side in terms of the Bulls, as you mentioned, they last week they put a fantastic performance together. First few weeks was a bit of there were a few niggles, um, and also I mean coming from a financial uh, background, the nice thing is up here we've we've had actually um, we, we've received a, a bit of. Coaching sessions with Henning Hiroka as well, um, from a, in a liberty point of view, and um, the one thing that he just mentioned, by the way, was and this was even before Dwayne was made captain, is that he said, Dwayne, the first thing that Dwayne said is, Doc, I don't know these people, I've never. He says, I'm, I'm now my second season with the Bulls, but 
I don't know many of these guys. I mean, they were. It, it, it almost felt like Jake had pulled people together from different backgrounds. So, yes, they are still gelling. And, um, I mean, as you say, a few communication errors here or there, and it could be a different ball game. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be a draw. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, sitting on okay. The <laughs> Let's um, say it. No, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned something now that's really uh, important that got me thinking from a supporter's point of view for the Bulls. And the fact is, yes, we've got some experienced hands. And I know I was in a discussion with Henning Gierke the other day. I was fortunate enough to ask him a couple of questions. Winning is a number one priority on that list of theirs. He says the Gierke Loftus is, is great at the moment amongst all the players. Um, they had an, they, they've got enough uh, old hands at the team. Um, Mornay Stein. And then he rattled off uh, Nolas Marais, some of the older coaches that have still be, that are still there. Uh, Trevin Yakanya playing a massive role. These are guys that that grew, have grown up at Loftus, and um, yeah, I know Cheetahs fans will have a, a fit and say Trevor started there, but the, the fact is he comes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he comes from the the far north. Um, yeah, he's Lampopo boy, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so these guys have grown up. In the in at Loftus, so there's enough history and culture around the senior players uh, for these guys to to pull the boys in and to know what the history is of Loftus. And you know, as far back as I can remember, I think Jake White was a closet Bulls fan, and he always wanted to, he always wanted to coach the Bulls. And he finally, this is like other than Test rugby, I think this is his test. Uh, this is his dream dream job. So I think they've I think they've been targeting this this game more than they targeted the Sharks game, and uh, we're very fortunate in this Super Rugby Unlocked series that most of our big games are, are at home. You know, okay, we've got the Lions away next week, but you know, to have Sharks and Province at home that's that's a massive bonus. No worrying about travelling and and COVID restrictions and stuff. It's from your house to the field, familiar. Um, Familiar surrounds. Uh, last week, last week's game. I think the biggest thing would be trying to keep the guys' uh, feet on the ground. But in the same time, it, you know, you telling them to use that as motivation to to try and even do better than what they did. You know, so I, I think it's all going for the Bulls that they can that they can pull this one off. But in the same sense, if, if Stormers pitch up, and I know they can, and they they eke out the win, I won't be disappointed uh, if, if the Bulls happen to lose because I understand where they are in the building up process and moving forward. Is there anything else you guys would love to touch on on North-South Derby um, that we might have missed or skipped? Yeah, I think maybe um, just a quick tri yeah, trivia there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, as you say, for for about a couple of years, um, when at the start of Super Rugby, the Bull, uh, the Stormers had a, I think it was nine consecutive wins over the Bulls at the at the start of the Super Rugby era. Uh, I think it's nine or eight. But the first time the Bulls ever won, can you, Angus? Do you know what the scoreline was the first time the Bulls ever beat the Stormers in Super Rugby? 
74-14. Yeah, unfortunately. So, uh, in terms of that, and that, and, and that actually just gave path to a few uh, abortion of results for the Stormers. I mean, we had we got our backsides handed to us a couple of years in a row. Then after that one, yeah, yeah. Too long ago, we had forty points to three as well, eh? Oh yeah, no, I, I, I don't for, I, I haven't forgotten that one. It was the first time I was watching a rugby game living in Pretoria. Went to the, to the draws and watch it upstairs. Luckily, I forgot to wear my Stormers jersey, so but downstairs <laughs> it was a different story. Um, the, the yellow cap pointed out to me today that the, that was also the first game after Etienne Boerter passed away. The 75-14 one. Yeah. Was it was it that one? Okay. I didn't even know. I thought it was part of the Curry Cup. It was during the 2005 Curry Cup that he passed away. I saw two yeah. recently actually mentioning that. Yeah, let's let's quickly debunk it and see if it's true. Uh, I, like when, he just, um... when he mentioned it, I was quite shocked because I, I didn't associate that game with, with him passing. Andre, you mentioned um, Jake being a closet no, bull supporter. Yeah. No, he only died in September. Um, it was in 7th September yeah. that he died of that year. So that was already... Yeah, I, I remember he was still playing... It was still part of the 2005 Curry Cup. So that was... Unfortunately, that... Yeah, that was the last Super Rugby game he played. Um, Etienne Boerta. Because... Uh, no, it couldn't be. Because they had the semi-final against Waratahs the week after that as well. So yeah. now I'm... I'm Sorry, um, unfortunately for the yellow cap, I'm thinking we might have debunked that one. It was a bit later um, where Etienne yeah. Boerta passed away. Uh, uh, Angus, you were saying? No, I just want to say, um, you mentioned Jake being a closet Bull supporter. I read in his book that his dad was quite a big Bull supporter himself. So I think it's quite natural for the son to follow the same team maybe. So... The thing yeah, is, he never associated himself with any team. That's the thing about Jake. You never say he was a Bulls or Stormers or whatever fan. Never associated himself with the team, so you can never say. But I think you might be right on that one. I think he's a Glossy Bulls supporter. He finally gets the coach's team. Yeah. Well, think about it. He's yeah. been part of, of three of the four big franchises now. He was part of the Lions back in the 90s in their coaching yeah. setup. Sharks and now Bulls. So all he needs to do is come coach Stormers. And when he's seventy years old or something, when he's living down in the Cape in the wine in the on the vineyards again, and then he's he's done it all. Yeah, <laughs> worked his way through. Oh, don't forget about the cheetahs. Come on, be nice. Oh <laughs> yes. Uh, are we going to talk about? Then? Are we going to talk about the Russian excursion as well sometime? Nah, nah. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens there before yeah. we just deconstruct that whole thing. Yeah. No, James. Thank you very much. Thanks for to, uh, joining us, uh, joining me this evening, and uh, having a look at this. Um, we were a little bit all over the show. So many facts, so many exciting things to look forward to this weekend. Um, Richard and myself, we're gonna we're gonna spill some brandy, and we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have some fun. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And Angus, I hope you you having uh, one or two friends over. Not too many, please. We we don't. Just in case nah. you the COVID, uh, <laughs> nah, I've been I've been put to a side, man. I have to cover the Storms and Bulls game and the one before that, so uh, I might have to be in between. But I've got to work on those games. So yeah, you got to pay the bills, eh? 
Yeah, I've got to play the ball. So I, I can't enjoy myself too much in that game. And I always say to my boss, I always tell him, I don't want to do my own teams. And I didn't choose these games. And he said to me, listen, no one else is available. You're going to have to stand in. So I'm going to have to be a strong boy this weekend. Eh? No biasness, eh? No biasness, not at all. <laughs> Richard, is that Snoopy there joining us for the, for the show? Yeah, no, that's Snoopy again joining us in the background. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, no, that's not a problem. <laughs> All right, then. Cool. thank you very much. And keep safe, and then we'll uh, we'll be definitely looking at some more rugby rugby topics to deconstruct in the future. Thanks for joining us, there, Angus Richard. Thanks, Andre. Okay. Cheers, Richard. Thanks, Thanks Cheers, guys. Cheers.